I was at my nephew's birthday party, and it was at an American Ninja Warrior gym. And I saw these 11-year-olds and 9-year-olds and 7-year-olds accomplishing these great feats. And one of them that everybody wanted to try was the warped wall. They had two versions. They had a 14-foot warped wall and a 12-foot warped wall. And the worker at the American Ninja Warrior gym brought everybody at the party over and demonstrated how to do the warped wall. And they made it a point to say, if you don't make it all the way up, ignore, ignore what your body's going to immediately tell you to do. And instead, lean into the wall and just slide on down. And I watched in amazement as all these little kids were going up this warped wall. And I said to myself, how hard can it be? I've got this. And so I took a charge at it, and I decided right away, right as I took my first few running steps towards the top of the 12-foot warped wall, I didn't, ha I didn't have enough speed. And so, so I aborted. I jumped off, and, and I was fine. And then I went back a couple feet and said, this time, this time I've got it. And right as I was getting ready to go, my nine-year-old nephew's like, hey, let me show you how to do it. And he just runs up, no problem whatsoever, does a little dance when he gets to the top, flexes his non-existent muscles and said, now it's your turn. And he gets down. I get ready. I go running up. And I see the top. And I'm so close. And I, I leave. And I just can't reach it. And then my instincts took over. And instead of leaning into the wall, I tried to regain my footing. And in the process of that, I started to go backwards. And my momentum was winning. And I couldn't contain it any longer. And I would love to think that as all of this occurred, my footing was, was in sync. And I did a backflip. And I landed on my feet. And everybody was in awe of how amazing and light on my feet I was. But that's not at all what happened. What happened happened was I took a couple steps trying to do what they told me not to do. I didn't listen to the instruction at all. And I did tumble, but I did not land on my feet. I landed flat on my back with a thud. And I look over and there's all of my family laughing at me as I just wiped out because I didn't listen to the instructions. It said, if you can't make it, just lean in and allow your momentum to let you slide down. But that's not what I did. And as a result, I fell for all to see. This morning, we're going to see some instructions in life. We're going to see some principles that we should all put into practice. These are universal principles that every single one of us should put into practice in our lives. As we've been looking over the course of the last, last month at what we've called what now, we've asked the question of what do we do with all the craziness that's going on in the world? How do we respond? And how does that change us? And so some of the things that we've seen is we've seen that if we have doubts, we need to lean into those doubts. We've seen that if we have regret, we need to stop carrying around that regret, that God is, God is faithful and he is, he is true, and he will forgive us of the mistakes that we've made. And he doesn't want us to be held captive to the baggage that so many of us carry around unnecessarily. We've seen that we have an obligation to share the hope that we have as a result of following Jesus. And last week we saw 
things that we need to stop doing and what we need to replace them with. And today we're going to see some more general principles that we need to put into practice in our lives, not just during this time of pandemic, but during the course of our entire lives. These things make us more like Jesus and lead us to a more fulfilling and rewarding life. And so if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us in the Bible app as we look at some of the closing verses of the New Testament book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to start this morning in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, and you can follow along with us in your Bible apps on your phone or your tablets where we read these words. And once again, 1 Thessalonians 5.12 and 13. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Let me read these verses again. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So a couple general principles that we we need to put into place in our lives. First is this. We need to admire people who serve. We need to have an appreciation and an admiration for people who serve, for people who give of their own time, for people who give effort and make it a point to use the gifts and the abilities that God has given them to help you and to help me. We need to admire them and their effort. The fact that God has equipped them with this and the fact that they are obedient and utilizing what God has wired them to do. We're to respect people who who understand that life isn't just about them. And the most rewarding life is when we understand that life isn't ultimately about us. And so we give of our time and we give of our abilities and we give of our possessions and we make it a point to serve other people. And if you've never really latched on to this idea, if you've never experienced the pure joy that comes when you give of yourself and you operate within the arena that God, has, that God has wired you and gifted you, and you give of your time and you share your ability to encourage other people, to instruct other people, to build other people up, if you've never experienced that, you are missing out on one of the greatest joys in life. The call for everyone who follows Jesus is this, to serve one another. That is the call of everyone, that we are active and we are engaged in using the gifts and abilities that we have for the betterment of each other. And here we're told that one of the things we need to do is we need to admire people who serve. We need to hold them in high esteem because while everybody should do this, The reality that we know at Lakeside and every other church in America and across the world is simply this. While we all should do this, we don't. While we all should serve, we don't. And that's not to beat up on, that's just the reality. And I know some of you have just the most crazy schedule that that you could ever have, but you need to find an area. You need to find something, whether it's an hour a month, whatever the case may be, you need to find a way that you are serving other people. 
And I promise you, I promise you, you will never regret it. When you find the place that you are operating in the way that God has wired you and designed you, you will never regret that time, those resources, that energy that you gave to build other people. And for those who benefit, make sure that you admire it. So I just want to challenge you. Right now, you got your phones out anyways, just send somebody a text right now. Send somebody a text who has been instrumental in your life, who's done something for you, who served you. Send them a text of appreciation. If you're not a texter, then write an email. Or maybe give them a phone. Don't, don't call them right now. But give them a phone call when, when, when the stream's over. Give them a phone call and just say, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. But admire people who serve. If you're on the sidelines and you're like, I don't, I don't know where to get started, but this sounds good, and God's given me these gifts, and I don't really know how to plug them in, we're here for you, and we want to help you figure out where your gifting and where your story aligns with the greater story of Lakeside, which the reason it's a greater story is because we're all part of something that's bigger than us. We're part of something that's bigger than Lakeside. We're part of the universal church, and so we are part of something that God is, is working throughout this world with. And that's, that's encouraging and it's exciting. And if you're like, hey, I know I need to do something, but I don't know where to start, then send us an email. Email me. You can email me at brian at lakeside-church.com. That's brian with an I at lakeside-church.com. And just say, I want to get involved. I want to be invested, but I don't know how or I don't know where. And let us walk through that journey with you. But you are not wired just to consume. God has wired us all to give and to serve. And I want to be very clear. That doesn't mean that the only opportunity for you to serve is within Lakeside. We'd love for everybody to serve within Lakeside. And we need people, obviously, to serve within Lakeside. And as we go to two services, we have a number. We have a number of new opportunities that are needed for people to serve. But don't think that the only place that you can serve is within Lakeside. Wherever you serve, make sure that you are using the gifts that God has given you and you are giving of your time and your energy and your effort to better others. And as recipients of other people's service, as we all are, let's make sure that we are people who admire and appreciate what others have done for us. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Admonish you. Understand, there's a spiritual obligation for, for you to be told sometimes what you don't want to hear. There's a spiritual obligation of your mentors, of people that you are accountable to, of your pastors. There's a spiritual obligation for them if they notice something in your life that is contrary to what Scripture teaches for them to speak into your life. And nobody likes to be admonished. Nobody likes to be told what they're doing is wrong. But understand, if somebody does that, ultimately, 
Chances are it's because they love you, especially if it's somebody you trust. Now, if it's somebody you don't have a relationship with and they're just trying to tell you everything that's wrong with you, just run away from that person. You don't want to be near that person. That person's a toxic person. But if you have a relationship with somebody, if they're a trusted, uh, trusted person in your life, if there's somebody that you're in a study with or you're accountable to or, or a pastor in your life, they have a vested interest in your life and they want to see you become more like Jesus. And one of the obligations that they have is to have with you the hard conversation. To tell you areas where you need to grow in this area. That is a spiritual obligation. And so if it's somebody who's well-meaning and who loves you, receive that in the spirit that you should. And it doesn't mean that those words aren't going to hurt. It doesn't mean that you're going to love to hear them right away. But it does mean they're spoken in love. Because one of the most loving things that can be done is for somebody to look at you and have the hard conversation with you that is going to cause potentially some friction, but is ultimately for your good. And the last thing we see here is once again, as we talked about last week, the need to get along. Get along with each other. We bring a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds with a lot of different passions and a lot of different opinions all together as people who follow Jesus and who are unified under that umbrella but who are different in so many other ways. And here's the reminder again that we see throughout Scripture and that is while you have different backgrounds, while you have different opinions, while you have different perspectives, while you have different passions, don't allow those things to divide you. Appreciate and celebrate the diversity, and remember, what unites us is greater than any of those things that divide us, and what unites us is a relationship with Jesus. So admire people who serve, and you yourself be be of service. Be active in serving others. Appreciate people who love you enough to have the hard conversation with you. Appreciate people who love you enough to admonish you. And get along. We continue in verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. One of the things that we see here is a great life principle, and that is this. You can't respond to everybody in the same way. You can't respond to everybody in the exact same way. And so he gives us three different examples here. He says, admonish the idol. Now, you know some people like this. You know some people who just, they just need to get their butt kicked. They just need to, they just need to be told, get moving. They've been coddled their entire lives. And if you don't help them, they will just sit idly by and get nothing done and accomplish nothing. And if you run a business or if you're a boss, you've had people like this on your team and they drive you crazy because you have to constantly tell them, here's what you need to do. Go do it. Go do it. Go do it. You constantly just have to be just 
constantly kicking their butts because ultimately they aren't doing anything. And he says, for those people, light into them. Now, don't be abrasive or abusive in it, but admonish the idol. Get on their case. Tell them it's time to get to work. It's time for you to do something. It's time for you to produce. But you can't approach everybody that way. Some people need, need to hear that, but not everyone. And then he says this, encourage the faint-hearted. Encourage the faint-hearted. Some people need a kind, inspiring word. Some people need to get their butts kicked because otherwise they're not going to do anything. They're just going to be content to be lazy. They will sit idly by and do nothing. Other people need to be encouraged. Other people need to, they're, they're tired. They're exhausted. The circumstances of life have not been easy or kind to them. And they don't need somebody who's constantly pushing them. What they need is somebody who comes alongside of them and puts their arm around their shoulder. It says, you're making progress. Keep going. There's a difference between being tired and being lazy. The lazy person needs their butt kicked. The person who's tired needs support. And so he says, when you see somebody who's faint-hearted, when you see somebody who's exhausted, life has not been kind to them. Their journey has been incredibly difficult. They are tired. Don't go challenge them. Instead, you go to that person and you put your arm around them and you encourage them. You talk about the progress and you help them with the next steps. Help the weak. Some people, they need to be shown things. Some people need to be shown how to do things. Now, this isn't your 12-year-old who doesn't want to do the dishes, and so they pretend like they don't know how to operate a sink with some dish soap. And if they don't by the time that they're 12, well, then you've just failed as a parent, and that's not really their fault, so start today and fix your flaws as a parent and then help them. But understand, that this is every, every, every kid that's been 12 that hasn't wanted to do a chore has, has played this card. They played the, oh, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know. That's, that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is legitimately when somebody is in a situation where they don't know what to do. Don't set people up for failure. Set people up for success. And one of the ways that you can set people up for success is to model what needs to be done. If you're a boss, never ask Never ask people who work for you to do something you yourself wouldn't do. And always be willing to have the heart of a teacher. Somebody that's willing to come alongside and to demonstrate how to do something. And to make sure that it's understood before you move on to the next thing. So here we see, we can't treat everybody the same. Some people... They just need their butts kicked because they're just lazy and they're content to do as little as possible. Some people 
It seems like they're lazy, but truth be told, they're just exhausted. And what they need is not somebody chewing them out, but what they need is an arm around their shoulder. Saying, here's the next step. Great job on what you've done. And here's how we can take it to the next level. And there's another camp that needs to see how something should be done. They need the demonstration. So make sure that you're not treating everybody the exact same way. Because not everybody's wired the same way and not everybody's at the same situation in life. But here's the takeaway. Be patient with them all. Be patient with them all. Be patient with the person whose butt needs kicked. Be patient with the person who's discouraged and down on their luck. Be patient with the person who just doesn't know how to do something. Be patient. Encourage. Admonish. Demonstrate. But be patient. Now, this doesn't mean that you, there never comes a point where you don't have to have a hard conversation, especially if you've employed somebody who's incredibly lazy. There will come a point where your patience will run out. And that's not a flaw of your spirituality. That's a gift that God's given us called discernment. And there comes a point in time where you just have to release some people and free them off to be somebody else's problem. But ultimately, you need to be patient and, and have the conversation with them. Admonish, encourage, demonstrate. Treat people differently based on what they need. But the universal theme is be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, verse 15 says, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Don't wrong because you've been wronged. Don't wrong somebody else because you yourself have been wronged. It's interesting what happens sometimes is when we have been wronged by somebody, what do we immediately want to do? We immediately want to go see them wronged. Like, ha, karma. We call it whatever we want. But as soon as we're wronged by somebody, the desire becomes for us to wrong them. Or if we're a little more spiritual than that, the desire isn't for us to wrong them, it's for God to wrong them. And just for us to get to enjoy that process. He's saying, don't repay evil for evil. But seek, good, but seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Don't wrong because you've been wronged. Don't delight in somebody being wronged because you've been wronged. Let it go. Let it go. Be a blessing and encouragement. Be a blessing and encouragement even to those who have wronged you. And this is what's crazy about it. When you are a blessing and encouragement to people who've wronged you, instead of cheering for them to be wronged, you find freedom. It might seem like, well, why am I doing that for their benefit? But the truth is, the longer you hold on to the grudge, the longer that you want somebody to be wronged because they have wronged you, the longer you yourself are held in a prison 
of your own building. And when you repay evil for good, when you stop longing for that person who wronged you to be wronged, you discover freedom. See to it that no one repays evil for evil. If you've been wronged, ask yourself, am I rooting for the other person? Or am I rooting for them to discover misery? And if that's the case, that you're rooting for them to be wronged and you're rooting for their lives to be miserable, you are, you are putting yourself in a prison from which you cannot escape until you forgive the other person. And that's where you'll find freedom. Be a blessing and encouragement, first to one another, first to the people that follow Jesus, and then, and then to all. And then we just, we end on these, these really quick, really short verses, but that are so essential to us in the way that we live our lives. Verse 16 says simply this, rejoice always. Rejoice always. You can't control what happens to you. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond. You can't control what happens to you in life, but you can control how you respond. And what we're told here is rejoice always. Choose joy. Choose joy. Happiness and joy is a choice. Happiness and joy is a choice. And every day, you have the opportunity to choose. Will you be happy? Will you choose joy? A friend of mine was recently meeting with a friend of his who's in the late stages of a cancer diagnosis. The outlook is not good. Time is not long. And they met up for a couple hours for what might be the final time. And he was telling me about their meeting, and he said, you know what struck me? As he laughed the entire time. His body is being destroyed. His days are incredibly numbered. He knows there's nothing left for them to do. Yes, he has incredible faith in Jesus. He said, Brian, they laughed the entire time. Joy is a choice. Doesn't mean that everything we experience or endure is going to be pleasant or it's going to be easy, and it doesn't mean that everybody who's given a horrible diagnosis has to respond in the exact same way. 
Rejoice always. How can somebody whose body's disfigured, whose days are numbered, who's about to have to say goodbye to people he loves, how can he choose joy? I have to believe that the only answer to that question is because he remembers that there is more to this story than this life. There's more to this story than our circumstances. And that as people who follow Jesus, we have hope. That seems ridiculous. I know right now is an incredibly difficult time for so many people. You might be out of work. You might have no idea what your career holds. Your family might be hanging on by a thread because you are so sick of being around one another. You love each other, but you don't like each other at this point. And you're starting to question the love thing. And you're wondering, is this whole family about to fall apart? Your future is bleak. Your finances are run. They've run dry and they are a mess. And you have so many questions. You have more questions than you do answers. How can you choose joy in a situation like that? Well, it starts with a choice. Remember that God is greater than your circumstances. And that ultimately he is victorious. Choose joy. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing, verse 17 says. Pray without ceasing. Pray regularly. No matter the situation or circumstance, be people who pray. Be people who pray. Now, this isn't some legalistic mandate that we have to spend X number of hours in prayer, or that if we take any breaths without praying that we're falling short of the standard that God has made for us. Well, it says pray without ceasing. Obviously, it's, it's a use and it's an expression here. But the point is this, that prayer needs to be a regular part of our lives. Pray without ceasing. We have direct access to our Creator, and He desires to hear from us. Pray without ceasing. In the midst of pandemic, how's your prayer life been? In the uncertainty, in the fear, have you turned to God? Or are you relying on yourself? Pray without ceasing. And lastly, in verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. No matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what you face, no matter what you experience, no matter what life throws your way, Give thanks. 
And I know this seems so strange right now. That in the midst of all that's going on, how can we give thanks? How can we rejoice always? How can we choose joy? How can we be thankful about some of the things that we're experiencing? And the answer is, we have to zoom out. Because so much of our focus, so much of our attention is spent on today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. We forget that we were designed as eternal beings. We were designed to have intimacy with our Creator. And that this world and all of, the, all of the trials and all of the troubles and all of the things that we face and we endure and we experience that tear us down and steal our joy and try to suck our hope away from us, all of those things are temporary. And that God is greater than each and every one of them. And God's desire is to use our lives to work on us and make us more like Him. So the question I want to leave you with today is, what are you doing with your life? Are you full of joy? Are you serving others? If you're not full of joy, let me tell you one of the fastest ways you can discover joy is to stop living your life consumed by just you and to live a life for others. What choice have you made? What are you choosing? Do you choose fear? Do you choose uncertainty? Do you choose hopelessness? Do you choose worry? Do you choose selfishness? Or do you choose joy? The choice is yours. But the fastest way to discovering joy is to stop living for just yourself, to serve others, and to be invested and engaged in their lives. God, I pray that we would be people who serve others. I pray we would be people who are not consumed with, our, with ourselves constantly. God, I pray that we would be people who are quick to serve. I pray we'd be people who love people enough that we'd be willing to have the hard conversation. I pray we'd be people who appreciate those who have invested in our lives. 
I pray for the person who's watching God and who's just just lazy and I pray that you would just instill with them a fire and a passion and an energy to get something done and God I pray you'd put the right person in their lives just to kick their butts and to get them moving I pray for the person who's watching who's just so tired and I pray God you would just put the person in their life to lovingly come alongside them and put their arm around them and tell them, great job. Just keep going. And I pray for the person who has a desire but doesn't know where to start or doesn't know what to do. And I pray, God, we could point them to where they need to go and what they need to do. I pray, God, that we would be people who are people who are quick to forgive and we don't allow ourselves to become imprisoned by a lack of forgiveness. I pray that we would always choose joy. And that as people, we'd be quick to communicate with you. And then no matter what this world throws our way, no matter what we encounter, we could rejoice because we are reminded that you are greater than whatever we face. In Jesus' name we